Who are some of Arizona State's top freshmen heading into the year? And who are some of the best players heading into 2022 for Arizona State Sun Devils football? We're going to talk about these questions and a few more on this week's edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast question and answer mailbag. Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Remember, we're always free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you want to check us out in a visual platform, wherever you do get those podcasts, though, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content, which is Monday through Friday. If you want to stay in the loop on everything Arizona State, Make sure you're following me on Twitter. You can find me at RichieBrads36. Follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Levels and follow my content published for Sports Illustrated at All Sun Levels. Follow all three. You'll be in the loop for everything Arizona State Sun Levels all the time. Before we get started, this episode of Locked on Sun Levels is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on College. Terms and conditions will apply. It's another week. It's another mailbag session, as will be tradition for our Thursdays moving forward. I took questions from Twitter, YouTube comments, and some friends and family to put together this week's question and answer mailbag. I have six questions. We're going to go through two in each segment. Let's just go ahead and get started. Uh, First question, what have been some early impressions of Emory Jones. I think what we can tell about Emory Jones so far from what we've been able to see in practice is that he looks like the best quarterback. I mean, there there was obviously this stigma that maybe ASU didn't have the quarterback on the roster during spring, uh, spring practice back in March. I mean, Herm Edwards had made that comment to the media that, you know, he hopes the quarterback is on the roster, but if not, they're open to continue exploring different avenues. And that's, that's exactly what ended up happening. And they bring in Emory Jones and Jones's look sharp. You know, we've talked to all sorts of different people. We talked to Cole Tomlin a couple of weeks ago about his observations. We've seen it all over Twitter. We're not like, it's, it's not just the, the usual suspects who are tweeting out about him in the terms of like ASU media, like Brad Denny or Doug Haller. You're also seeing a lot of the coaches and teammates praising Emory Jones. So there's a lot to like here with Emory. And I've said it before. I really feel like Emory is just as good as what Jaden Daniels was for you in 2021. Now you can take that however you want to take it because Jaden was very underwhelming last year. And I, I think that Emory Jones is in, in a worst case scenario as good Even with that, ASU won eight games. This is not a bad roster. It is certainly a different roster, but there's still a lot of talent to like here. And Emory Jones does give me some hope for 2022. Before he had committed to the Sun Devils and you lost Jaden Daniels, I thought that this season was just in in the dumpster. I, I truly didn't see a scenario where you had a winning season and jobs were going to be on the line. 
you bring in Emory Jones, the season maybe isn't quote unquote saved, but it's certainly in a much better situation than where you were before. And it's because of how good Emory has looked. You know, he's been a very confident passer. I think that's something that's really stood out is that Emory has been able to hit all levels of the field. You know, he's hitting the deep ball. He's getting the short to intermediate stuff. He's getting outside the hashes. He feels like a very confident, very established and um, like veteran passer for Arizona State, despite the fact that he's only been with the program for just a few short months. He has still found a way to really shine for the Sun Devils. That's a really big deal. And because of that, you have some promise heading into this season about whether or not he he's going to be your guy for for uh for 2022 and maybe beyond i don't know like he's got another year of eligibility after this as well so we'll just have to wait and see what what the cards kind of have in the full tier for emory jones but overall first impressions very very good uh second question here why hasn't chad johnson been able to get onto the football field more than he has in his first few seasons with the team now, Chad Johnson was a pretty decent recruit for Arizona State. If I remember, he was a four-star wide receiver. The big claim with him is Chad Johnson Jr., son of NFL Pro Bowl and All-Pro wide receiver, Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Chad Ochocinco. Now, Ochocinco had very good success in the pros. He was also a very good receiver in college when he played for Oregon State. There was this expected tran- transition, or not transition, translation from him to his son. And it's something that we're all incredibly guilty of, is saying that, oh, well, because he's the son of a former pro bowler, or he's the son of a former NFL player, or he's the son of a Hall of Famer, we see this all the time, the kid should be just as good. And that's just not the truth. Now, this isn't slandering Chad Johnson Jr., and this isn't saying Chad Johnson Jr. is not talented. What I'm saying is that the expectations that were placed on him were incredibly unfair. We were expecting him to come in and replace guys like Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk. He was expected to be a number one receiver almost right out of the gate, and he's needed time to marinate and get the the next level of football under his belt, moving from high school to college, and he's in the Division One program. Now, for what it's worth, he hasn't transferred. That speaks to his character. I feel like that's something that everyone is kind of underrating when we talk about uh, Chad Johnson Jr. is just the fact that because, because he hasn't necessarily taken that step forward, he isn't a good player, and that just couldn't be further from the truth he's just going to take a little while to get to where we believe he could be but more than anything this this is a guy who clearly has has something on his mind he's got an agenda with Arizona State that he wants to get done you saw 17 people enter the transfer portal this offseason 16 of them left Chad Johnson Jr. was not one of them That is huge because if you had told me that 17 players were going to enter the transfer portal, one of the first guys that would have entered my mind was Chad Johnson Jr. because he hasn't gotten the opportunities. I don't know if it's completely on him. I'm sure some of it has to do with he hasn't been able to out 
outperform the guys ahead of him like Ricky Pearsall or LV Bunkley-Shelton, who were very talented receivers. The opportunity is there this year, though. And quite frankly, there's really no excuse for him to not get on the field. It, it feels like you're going to be looking at Cam Johnson, Brian Thompson, and Andre Johnson. And after that, it's really up for grabs. Everyone really likes Elijah Badger. And Chad Johnson Jr. should be able to assert himself into that rotation as well. This doesn't mean he needs to be a thousand-yard receiver, but he does need to record his first catch. So why hasn't he gotten on the field more? I can't give you a definitive answer. What I can tell you is I think that there's a lot more substance here than people realize, and it's not nearly as black and white as we're trying to make it and paint this perception that he's not a good football player. Sometimes guys just need time to get going, and Chad Johnson Jr. is, in this case, no exception, and that's not a bad thing. He's just needed more time. But the fact that he's still with the program despite not getting that time, that's really big. And I think we should be talking about that a little more than we are talking about anything else. Let's go ahead and hop into our first break. When we return, we're going to go ahead and pick up our conversation with this Q&A mailbag with two more questions. But first, a word from our friends over at LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall and you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to help you find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network, over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Because you know that nearly every week, 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that's, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions will apply as always thank you guys so much for making the locked on sun levels podcast your first listen of the day the ultimate college football preview is here a seven episode preview with college experts local team experts and odyssey college football insiders it's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot search for ultimate college football preview on your odyssey app YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast, Make sure that you tune into that so you know everything that's going to be going on with college football this year. Back into our conversation, two more questions before we head into our final break. Who are some freshmen who can break out this year? I think the most obvious candidate would have to be, um, oh my goodness, what's his name? This is absolutely going to kill me. This is really, really going to bug me now. Now I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to, to remember who our freshmen are. Wow, totally drawn a blank. Super embarrassing. Let's see. Uh, Carter Brown could be someone that could stand out for you uh, as the kicker. His thing would just be needing to stand out over Jace Feely as the kicker for the team, but obviously Christensen Dejas is gone. He could potentially end up being 
uh, the starting quarterback there, or not quarterback, starting kicker. And uh, it, it, it really is going to come down to those two, obviously. But it, it's it's just a very interesting situation because neither of them have like an overly abundant amount of experience coming into this year. Other than that, um, oh, the guy I was thinking of was uh, Tevin White. Tevin White at running back is definitely the guy who stands out to me. This is going to be a very run-heavy football team, and Tevin White is going to fit into the equation very, very well. He just stands out compared to the rest of the guys because he is such a big bruising back compared to what you have with Zazivian Valade or Damian Legata or George Hart or Deontay Elliott. Tevin White is a massive dude. He's, like uh, I want to say 6'3", uh, 6'1". He's 6'1", 200 pounds, and just a massive bruiser. You look at him compared to the rest of the guys, and he just looks so much thicker and more built than the rest of them. I think that there's a chance that Tevin White could find himself a really nice role with the team early in the year or even later down the stretch. It wouldn't surprise me if he ended up getting a really nice opportunity there. Uh, the other guy who really stands out, because there really aren't too many freshmen here, it, which makes me feel a little bit better when I couldn't think of any off the top of my head, uh, Robbie Harrison. Now, Harrison is a guy who's going to get a lot of playing time on a, on a very deep defensive line, and there should be a really good shuffle of guys. Uh, the people ahead of him are uh, more established for the most part. Uh, uh, Nesta Jade Silvera, obviously the grad transfer coming in from Miami, is going to lock down the nose tackle spot that they're probably going to be grooming Robbie Harrison to eventually take over. I know they really like Harrison down the road. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have in his first season with the team. But I do think that he will get sprinkled in there quite a bit. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, you're also going to be looking at Isaiah Johnson, who's going into his redshirt freshman season uh, in the backfield, uh, uh, defensive backfield. It's it's also a very interesting situation. Unlike the defensive line where there's a lot of like like established guys, there's a lot of like faces that you're going to be moving around in the secondary who don't necessarily have a lot of starting experience per se, but a lot of them are like older guys. Like uh, Keon Markham's a redshirt junior. Kawan Markham is a senior. Corey Bethley is a grad transfer senior. Chris Edmonds is a senior transfer. Tamarcus Davis is a senior. Uh, Jordan Clark's a junior. Uh, uh, Will Willie Hartz is a redshirt junior. Ro Torrance is a junior transfer. So a lot of the guys ahead of him could real not realistically, but they they could depart after this year, depending on how the season ends up going for them. Because of that, you may want to get your younger guys out there, which could result in Isaiah Johnson getting a lot more starting time than people may be anticipating for him. He is a nice long cornerback too. He measures in at six foot one. He's about 181 pounds right now, according to rlands.com. And he could end up fitting that bill as kind of your, you know, quote unquote prototype number one corner on the boundary. So Isaiah Johnson could definitely be a sleeper. Uh, Robbie Harrison, I think is going to have a nice year. If I had to pick one freshman, I think it'd be Tevin White. And then also look out for Carter Brown as the kicker. Those are really the only freshmen that you have on this team that are expected to have a very big uh, starting role, though, for the team. Uh, next question here, who will take the biggest leap forward in 2022? 
I think there's a lot of guys that you can look at. The first guy who always comes to me is Jordan Clark, the nickelback. I think that Jordan Clark is a very, very, very good football player and somebody who I anticipate is going to be one of the one of the better and finer defensive players uh, for the Sun Devils entirely, not just not just on on the uh, defensive back end, but I think that he's going to end up being one of the most consistent and reliable guys entirely on the starting eleven. And that's the other thing is he may be a nickel and he may not be you know the the biggest guy on the field to necessarily play him on the outside. But I, I firmly believe that you're just he's going to be one of those guys where you just are going to be getting him on the field in any way that you can because he's that talented of a football player. And with that in mind, I also think that with a much larger opportunity is going to come a huge statistical year for him, perhaps. Maybe, maybe he gets a nice handful of interceptions. Maybe he's able to, you know, compete for a way to become like a uh, like like an all pack 12 player. Daniel Nagata is another another guy that I really anticipate takes a really nice step forward this year. People who listen to the podcast know I think he is like a poor man's Eno Benjamin and I mean that in like the best compliment possible. I think Nagata could be a very very good player for Arizona State this year. Depending on how much I get him involved and even then I think you still are going to find that he is a very good football player whether he's getting the ball 10 times a game or 25 times a game. He's going to be someone that I think you're going to heavily involve. Uh, along the defensive line, there's a couple guys. Omar Norman Lott, I think, is ready to take that step forward from potential to stardom. Maybe not like some kind of like all Pac-12 player, but I do think that he is ready to take that next step and become one of the definitive best players on this defense. I would also love to see BJ Green, who led the team in sacks a year ago with five, also take a step forward and become one of the more relied upon guys from the defensive interior to generate a pass rush. Uh, you're hoping that Merlin Robertson can take a, you know, quote unquote, big leap forward just from where he's been simply because we've seen that upside. I just don't know if I would necessarily put him on that list. I also would not put Corey Bethley on there simply because I think he's a very proven player and just, you know, first year with a power five program shouldn't necessarily be to see him take a, take a like a, like a big leap because I, I feel like he's already a very good player, but I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys this year. Jordan Clark, probably at the top of my list though. Let's go ahead and hop into our final break. When we return, we're going to answer two more questions before we get out of here. This is the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. Go ahead and make your second listen, the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. Hosted by my friend Spencer McLaughlin. Get all of your Pac-12 news in 30 minutes or less. Stay up to date by making the Locked On Pac-12 podcast your second listen of the day. Two more questions here before we close it out. Who are my top five ASU players heading into 2022? I had to really think about this one because man, when I made my, my top, my top players heading into 2022 way back in like March, it was such a different, such a different unit. I think let's just power through real quick. Number, number one for me, it, it's really a toss up. I think I'm going to go Emery Jones here. Uh, play, playing the quarterback position is obviously very important. 
he's going to be probably the most important player for this Arizona State Sun Devils team this year. I feel like the team's going to go as far as he goes. If he's able to, you know, be incredibly successful, then Arizona State's going to win eight games. If he struggles, Arizona State could find a way to not even be a 500 team this year. So, but with that in mind, he's also a very good football player. And he's someone I think you can truly rely on to give you good play. Uh, number two, and this is the guy I was debating with Emory Jones, Ladarius Henderson. Henderson has just been all over the offensive line. He's played at a really good level too. He is perhaps the, the most proven guy on offense, just considering Emory really only has the one year. It's just Emory has proven to be a little more exciting at a more valuable position. Number three, I'm going Jordan Clark. This is definitely a lot more based off potential, but I think Jordan Clark is just so, so good. I am very much anticipating him to become one of the best nickel corners in the Pac-12 entirely, not just in Arizona State, but he's very, very good. Number four is the Xavier Valade transferring in from Wyoming. Dude was hyper-productive with 2,000-yard seasons in four, in four years with the Cowboys. He also managed to score a pretty fair amount of touchdowns, uh, I believe 21, something like that. And he also caught a heck of a lot of passes. That's going to translate over to Arizona State, where he's going to be a focal point in the passing game, maybe taking a Rashad White role with the team and being a large volume guy where he's proven as a pass catcher compared to the rest of the guys. That's going to be very important. I think Valaday ends up being one of the best players by the end of the year certainly in the statistical category. Last guy I got, I am going Corey Bethley over Merlin Robertson. That was tough for me. Uh, as much as I love Merlin, I just feel like Bethley has shown he is at a higher level of play. Now, Robertson has definitely played against higher level competition. Bethley obviously transferring from Hawaii, but Bethley is just a turnover magnet. He had five interceptions last year, and he's not just a, a turnover guy. I mean, he flies around the field. He makes plays at every level. He had 99 tackles. So, I mean, the dude's a safety who is just around the football, and that's a very important aspect to have in your kind of players. Some other guys I think you should consider, maybe Ben Scott, who is kicking inside to center this year after playing right tackle last year. He'll be a guy I'm interested to see how he transitions to a new piece of the offensive line. Uh, again, Merlin Robertson, someone you're going to be looking at as well. Jordan, uh, 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 not Jordan Clark, uh, Jordan, Jordan Edmonds, not Jordan Edmonds, Chris Edmonds. I'm combining the two. Chris Edmonds I, is another, probably the last guy I would mention here as potentially a really, really good player. He just didn't have a lot of like major experience against high level competition at, uh, oh my God, where did he play? Sanford. And with, with that being said, I mean, he had six interceptions last year, including an inter interception against Emory Jones. So he is in, in absolutely capable of making plays. Final question here before we close out, what is ASU's strongest positional group heading into 2022? There's really two spots that stand out to me. Funny enough, one on offense, one on defense. Offensively, it's definitely the running back room. You have two guys who I believe are capable of a thousand yards between Daniel Nagata and Zazavian Valade. But I also feel like you've got three other guys who are more than capable of playing into that third running back role that ASU has highly coveted over the last few years. 
with Daniel Nagata being that guy, with Eno Benjamin being that guy years back, even way back in the the early 2010s when you had backfields of Marion Grace, DJ Foster, and Cameron Marshall. ASU was just always ha- uh, valued having three running backs. So even beyond Valade and Nagata, I think Deontay Elliott could be in for a really big year. I mentioned Tevin White as a breakout freshman, and I think George Hart is also going to get highly involved as well. Defensively, it's it's a defensive line. This even comes with the loss of Michael Matus, and that was such a such an unfortunate loss because of how great of a football player he is. High level, high energetic, high motor guy, and was expected to be a team leader for you, and he's gone for the year. But regardless of that, you still have some really good depth. If if we're going to be specific, it definitely is more the defensive interior than it is the edge rushers. I do really like Trevez Moore to bounce back this year. He looked really good before an ACL tear last year. Anthony Cooper looks like he could be a stud as well uh, at the defensive end spot. And then you'll be rotating uh, Garen Stran- uh, Stansbury and Joe Moore as well. But the interior of the line, that's the strength. Nesta Jade Silvera is going to be locking down the nose tackle spot. He is going to be keeping his linebackers jerseys clean. Omar Norman Lott, like I said earlier, I think he is a big time breakout candidate for you this year. He's another guy for what it's worth was probably uh, just outside of my top five ASU players heading into the year. I expect him to be very, very good. BJ Green, I'm hoping he can take that step forward from a highly productive freshman year. Uh, Tatala Pesifi is also a very, very good, very established defensive lineman. Him and um, uh, Nessa Jade Silvera will be a very intriguing combination to watch rotate at the nose tackle spot this year. Those are my two best position groups. Again, funny enough, offensively and defensively. And with that being said, that's going to wrap up this mailbag edition of the Locked on Sunnivals podcast. So as always, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. If you want to check us out in a visual platform, but wherever you do go with those podcasts, make sure you hit like and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you get an update every time we post new content. If you want to be in touch with all the content going on with Arizona State all the time, follow me on Twitter at RiggyBrads36. Follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Devils, And follow my Sports Illustrated content at all Sun Devils. So that does it here for me and the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. So until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.